you might think what 2400 is a lot to feed like a lot of money to feed but when you show them no it's actually just three sales for your course for a month worth of tweets they'd be like okay yeah that makes sense and i get content and i get credibility why not so you don't charge based on how much you want to make you charge based on the perceived value that they're gonna get welcome to another episode of high theory presents today i talked to jk molina for the second time A lot has happened since our last talk. He just lost his 15k follower account, he started ghostwriting, and he launched his course Bow and Arrow. You'll learn a lot, so let's dive right in. My name is Yannick, co-founder of High Fury, and I hope you enjoyed the show. So JK, we spoke a couple of months back and a lot has changed since then. Tell me what happened. Bro, a lot has changed. Like a couple of days ago, I got locked out of my account. I launched my product like a week ago and I started ghostwriting like a month ago. So a lot of stuff has been going on. Perfect timing. <laughs> I mean, actually, the launch was a good timing because it was right before like Twitter banned me. So if I waited a little bit, that'd be over, right? But it was a good timing. So a lot has changed. Like I've taken more of a chill approach to Twitter now that I got client work. I've been having a lot of fun with Bonaro, launching it. People really like it, apparently. So um, everything's good, bro. I'm chilling. Even though I lost my account, like I see everybody shouting me out, everybody helping me. So I'm really happy with it because, you know, I didn't know that this community was so together. Like I knew, like in concept, but once you get shout outs from everybody and they're helping you out, they're like, okay, maybe there's something more that I really didn't see in this Twitter thing. You lost your 15K follower account. You're now back at, I think, three and a half K. Just give us a quick recap of what happened. Why did you lose your account? So here's what happened, boys. What happened is I started Twitter when I was like eight or nine, right? Apparently you can't tweet unless you're 13 years old. Like it's funny just telling it, right? So when I wanted to go and update my birthday, because you know when you click on somebody's birthday on their profile, like it shows some balloons and shit and it's really pretty. Yeah, I wanted that. So I did it. And when I sent it, they were like, no, bro, you tweeted before you were 13. You're a threat to national security. We're just going to ban you. Wow. But they, they literally said, you know, or you got a, a message for, hey, you tweeted before you were above 13. Bye bye. Something like that. They told me you're locked out because you don't follow Twitter's age policies or something. And they just banned me. Yeah. And I locked out. I couldn't do anything. I sent a lot of tickets. So what I did is I messaged my our good friend Bronze and Gucci Buckethead. You know, the ones that are like famous for being banned a lot. So I went to them and I asked them, yo, what I, what I do? And they were in a similar situation before. And they told me that it's going to take a month or a couple of months till you get it back. So you might as well start a new one. And I didn't want to, right? Like, it was 15,000 followers. I didn't want to, but I had to. I created it. When I didn't create it, because I had one called Tweetfluence. It had like 600, 700 followers. When I created it, everybody started shouting me out, Yannick. Like, people were helping me. People were saying, just follow him. He got locked out. Everybody was retweeting me. Like, I tweeted a video, and it's got like a 1,000 likes already. Like, people are really, really helpful. Yeah, the one with like the New Zealand uh, rugby. Yeah, the haka. The haka, exactly. And you had one about where you were sleep deprived and you actually shared what happened to you to your account. Yeah, yeah. I was I was tired as hell, bro, that day. I didn't I was gonna take a nap, but then like my Twitter got locked out, so I did not take my nap. So <laughs> I had to record a video and explain. We spoke, I don't know, how many followers did you have back then? Seven, eight, nine? Yeah, about yeah. 
that was only a couple of months ago. What what did you do to grow your account? Because you obviously, you launched your uh, course and there's a lot of value in there. So I guess you practice what you preached. Yeah, I started using a lot of what I uh, was working on because right when we talked, I started ghost tweeting for people. And you know, there's this big thing on Twitter or money Twitter specifically that when you start with no skills, you're kind of afraid of being just another account, right? You're like, I don't want to be just another like regular account. And that's what happened to me. And maybe a lot of people saw me that way. So when I started sharing my work, what I did for clients, people just started coming to me because they knew that what I was offering was legit and I was actually getting results. So that's one thing I changed. The other thing that I changed is I, I did a lot of threads, bro. <laughs> like I did thread after thread after thread. And um, it helps if you're working on something and you share your secrets. You know, Jack Butcher calls this selling your sawdust. Let's say you do copywriting. You're not only doing copy, but you can share like what's your thought process behind the copy? What are your headlines? What are your results? The screenshots before and after. If you share all that, that's just content on itself. If you use content only once, you're making Twitter more complicated than it has to be. So I started repurposing everything that I did into more content. Take us through the specifics. You repurpose a lot of things. So give us some examples how you, you know, created content, you before, after, stuff like that. Can you mention a couple of things? Let's say since I come up with content. So I watched Rocky the other day. I love Rocky. And there's a moment in Rocky where Rocky looks at a mirror and he's got a picture of himself as a kid. And like that inspires him to like be better. So I was like, yo, I got to do it, right? So I just printed a picture of me and I put it in my mirror and I tweeted about it. I shared the picture and everybody was like, yo, this is great. It got like 600 likes because people were like actually putting their pictures in their mirror. So I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so this already works. I wrote an email about it. It got like 20 to 30% open rate. That's sick, right? Then I put it on my copy page to be a selling point on how to tweet and repurpose. Like I'm selling you how I sold you, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. I see it resonating so much. I put it on my course. And then I put on my course the fact that I put it on my course. So I just used this content. I use it several times to just recycle it. And that's something I do with my tweets. Like it probably got deleted already because, you know, Jack. But I did a swipe of my own best tweets. And my own best tweets is like my audience speaking to me. So I just go in the search bar. I look for which tweets got like 20 retweets or 50 retweets. I put it in my swipe file. And when I don't have anything to do, and just go over those and be like, okay, this is what's resonating. Let me just create more of this. Let me just give it a little twist. So that's how I create content. Like it started as Rocky and it ended as email, selling points, newsletter, uh, more tweets, swipe file. So I just created more from one thing. And you're actually creating more than one swipe file. At least that's what I've seen in your course. Bro, bro, I have so many swipe files. You know, I have a lot of clients in different niches. So I have my own. I have from other people, the general swap file, I have one for each niche, like let's say e-com, let's say whatever it is, like fitness. So I have one of each and it's easy, right? Because I don't know if you have one or like if anybody who's listening is building one, but bro, like it's so easy. Once you expose yourself to people who are already good at it and have already proved to work, it's so damn easy to write content. Like it's just, you just get infected by quality and you do it like that. Yeah. And what do you do? So you, okay, let's say e-com, for example, you have a whole bunch of like a 20, 50, 100 tweets and you take them off your own timeline, but off other people's timelines as well. And then you probably don't just copy and paste. Run us through how you create a new tweet from your uh, swipe file. Let's say client work, for example. 
So what I do when my clients is I just get them on a call, right? And I tell them, tell me everything about you. I want to know your life. I want to know what books you're reading, so who influenced you, your work, everything. Send me all your courses. Send me all your YouTube. And I just take notes, right? And I take notes and not really thinking about tweet formats. I just take notes. I find something interesting. I, I just write it. So I got pages and pages of notes that are not in order. When I have those notes, I just read them. And then I go to my swipe file to find a way to say it. That's where the bone arrow concept came from, right? It's like the arrow is just my notes and the bow is how it's already proven to work. So you can't just copy and paste, right? But you can see which formats work. For example, lists work really well. Contrasts work really well. Us versus them, going against consensus, all that stuff. Once you know what to say and you combine it with the best ways to say it, shout out Joshua Lysak, it works. Give me an example because you're writing down these notes and how do you come from like the notes through your Stripe file and into like new tweets. Okay, I'll give you an example from Buenaro, which is the wordplay section. In wordplay section, I have this part that says level one, level two, level three. That's this tweet way to say something. So like noobs do this, amateurs do this, pros do this. So if I'm ghostwriting for, I don't know, let's say hype free, I'd be like noobs copy tweets, amateurs rephrase tweets, but like pros create something new from other content that they say. Boom, that's a tweet right there. So I just use the formats that already work. I transform it with my notes into tweets. What was the click? What was the spark that made you say, hey, I'm going to create a course? Because there are, and there have been so many courses already. Free ones are really good. Uh, paid ones are really good. That's the reason I monetize so late. I monetize at 15, like 14K. That's a lot. But what the spark that really got me is I did have a pre-version of Bow and Arrow when I started it, I'm talking May, like I had just formats like the wordplay section. Then I started like compiling it and making it better. And I was going to launch like a 3K. But then Oliver, Oliver Cantin told me like, no, just just wait, right? Keep improving it. And it was kind of like imposter syndrome a lot because I was like, who am I to launch a Twitter growth course, right? I'm not Lattimore with the hundred and something thousand followers. So the, the spark that really like inspired me to like launch it was when I started getting results for clients with my own systems that I didn't see anywhere else. I was like, okay, so I'm getting results for them, but it's working. I can use the unique selling angle of like, I'm a ghostwriter. I'm just not another account. Like I write for other people. So when it kind of combined and like my friends just lighting a fire under my ass, I was like, yeah, okay, let's launch. Let's do it. For any other people who want to launch, I don't know, that should be a Twitter course, but any course, why launch sooner or later? When's a good time to launch? That's a great question. And one that I figured like a couple of weeks ago, actually. It goes before, like the wrong question is not when should you launch? The wrong question is when is your audience going to tell you to launch? And they're not going to tell you like, yo, Yannick, we need a course. You're going to know when people ask you about what you're doing, that's a little bit of when you should do it. But the best way to actually launch a course starts before that, when you share your proof of work, right? Why would I buy a course from you if you don't prove that you're good at something? So that's why I'm so big on like posting everything that you do along the way. Show me screenshots, show me testimonials, show me that you're what you're doing. Like I started tweeting about me being a ghostwriter, but it didn't really do anything. When I started posting before and after screenshots, it did something. If you want to launch, you should begin with your content. You should focus on showing everything that you're good at show me screenshots show me before and afters testimonials show me everything that you're working on spill your secrets on me right just show me after you're done with that 
then your audience is going to start speaking to you. And the way they're going to speak to you is which of the proof of work that you're publishing is resonating the most. For me, it was the swipe file, right? The swipe file got like 10,000 views. And I was like, okay, so there's something here. So when I started tweeting more about swipe files and how I structure my swipe files, people were doing like, yo, like show me how to use Notion, where I put it. Show me how you're doing everything. And that was like a sign. When people tell you to spill your more of your secrets that you're already sharing, that's when you should launch. So to give you a concrete answer and like actual follower count, I wouldn't recommend launching before 3K. 5K is good, 10K is good, but not before 3K. And that's social proof. That's, you know, if you blow 3,000, then who are you or what's the reason? I don't know. I just think that people really don't know who are you. Yeah, that, I think that's a good one. If you're an expert already and if you're doing good things like outside Twitter, like absolutely pay somebody to retweet you, right? Like in your niche, just pay for retweets and you'll do well. I think 3K is a good number. I think it works. I think it's a very good um, reasoning behind there. You know, if so many people want to start building a course, but they don't know what to build it about, they don't have any authenticity, they don't have any credibility about a topic. And once people start asking you about, hey, how did you do that? Hey, tell me more. Then you know you're onto something instead of just creating something where you think, hey, this might resonate, but you know, you need to validate that before you go ahead and create a course thousand percent like you don't know what's going to work until you post it you need to post everything that you're doing show me your secret show me what are you doing and once you find that something works double down on it run us through a little bit how you launched your course i I gotta say that bow and arrow was not the first time that i launched on twitter i actually launched a little bit before an email only email but like people were not really buying it a lot so i did a whole relaunch on twitter and on the launch on twitter i started with posting problems and you got to find what's the big problem that you're product solving. For me is you're a Twitter account that's underpaid. So I started looking for numbers. So how much are you going to get paid if you get $1,000 from Twitter and you spend three hours a day, you get paid 11 bucks an hour. So I tweeted that. How many words have you written and how little you're getting paid? I tweeted about it. Because once you tell people they have a problem, they don't really get it. But once you show them numbers, they get it. So show them numbers as where that they're not where they want to be. So I started tweeting a lot about problems. I was like three to five tweets. Then I started tweeting about like solutions, like what you should do. I started like of my content from my course, a module I turned into a tweet or a thread. Like I have like 50 modules. I turned one of those modules into a thread. And I was like, yo, this is interesting to you. You can join the wait list where I have 50 more modules on the course that I'm going to release. Like, yeah, boom, boom, boom. I just did that until I found one. Like some sucked, right? So some didn't really work, but like some really hit like the swipe file things. So that's what I focused on. Join the wait list, boom, boom, boom. And when the day came, I actually teamed up with people. And that's something that really, really helped me out when Oliver told me about it. Team up with people who are already in your niche. So I teamed up with Cameron Martinez because he's really good at DMs and making connections. So I was like, yo, promote your course inside mine. And I'll give you, you'll just record something for me, right? Same thing with Art of Purpose, like Creation 24-7. I told him, record something, you can promote everything inside. And I recorded something for him too. So once I teamed up, I proved that people had a problem and I showed that I can deliver the solution. Boom, that was just easy. And of course, I blasted my email list that day. So yeah. How many people did you get on your wait list? And was that primarily through the threads or did you have any other means of getting people on the waiting list? The waiting list was mainly with the threats. Like, if you like this, you'll love this. That's how I created my waitlist. It got like 90 people, not many, but, you know, it's something. But I did have 
a guide from zero to 2000 followers before that I had, I had like 1300 people on it. That's that one really helped. It really did help. And that was like a lead magnet. It was a lead magnet for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I sold the usual bow and arrow, like the original, which kind of sucked, <laughs> but that's how I sold that one. Yeah. And um, something I learned from the e-com guys was I did not only launch the email on the day, right? I told you like Bonero launched Thursday. I told you on Monday and I told you on Wednesday that I was going to launch something. You were going to have a discount because you were on the email list. So I sold it in three emails. And then I launched the other one the next day saying there's an extended sale. New day. Are you going to miss out on this chance to get a discount? No. Boom. Get it. And on the launch day when everybody was just getting results i retweeted everybody bro everybody who talked about bonaro i just retweeted a boom boom credibility i wanted to own the timeline if we're going to see somebody in the timeline i wanted it to be me so i just retweeted everything and i cashed in favors too like i was like yo i'll retweet two of your tweets if you retweet one of mine you want to do it yeah boom let's do it pa, 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 pa. and we just started growing it was my day bro i had to take advantage of it yeah <laughs> Launches, they work. Pre-launches work. Launching something again works. And people are very attuned to price changes, to discounts. So that really helps sell. You know, the, the social proof. You know, I don't think that I would have sold even half of what I sold if I did not prove that I could do it for other people other than me. Like if you're going to sell a copywriting course, like prove that you're doing it for clients. If you're going to sell a writing tweets course, prove that you're doing it for clients. So that really helped. And my friends, shout out to my amigos that helped me out. I love you all. And so you teamed up with a couple of larger accounts. They, in turn, also retweeted the fact that you launched your course. Run us through a little bit how that worked. About teaming up? Yeah, teaming up with 24-7, with Cam, with... Yeah. yeah, so I just told them, like, can you record a module for this? And I'll just give you free exposure for your course on mine. This is about how much I expected to grow, which, yeah, I told them how much I was supposed to sell. They were like, sure. And also because we're friends, right? Like I've helped these guys, they've helped me. So it didn't really matter. And let's say you wanted to team up with somebody who's way bigger than you, that you don't know. Because that's something that Cam talks about in the course. That's really good. If you want to team up with somebody who's absolutely huge on money, Twitter, don't tell them out of the bat. Prove that your product works. Prove that you're getting testimonials from it. And then you go with numbers. You'd be like, yo, this is converting at this percent. This is how many it has sold. And this is how much commission I'm going to give you. Give them 60 or 70 or whatever. And that's how you get the bigger players to affiliate for you. But you can get your friends to affiliate for you on the launch, right? Because they're your friends. And I think it's important. You had uh, Cam and the other guys invested in, in the launch as well, you know? So they were your leverage, you were theirs, and you create a nice uh, engagement group just by doing that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And it's also a good selling point, right? You'd be like, you get bow and arrow, which has a price. But if you join today, you get a free bonus from these two guys that kind of help you. So like, I'm not really a big fan of giving discounts. I did give a discount on launch because you always have to do a discount on the launch. But I'm not really a fan of it. Like if you're going to sell, it's a good idea to start instead of doing discounts, do bonuses. So like I have this new bonus. Everybody who joins now will get it. So you don't like lower the value of your course, but you still get sales. You don't have any friends on Twitter yet. You don't have your account closed by some obscure Twitter rule. You just started on Twitter. What would be your ideal tactic to start growing your account? I'm at zero, right? Yeah, zero or 100 or whatever. So nothing much. You know, you've maybe been on Twitter a couple of years, but you haven't really done anything with it. First of all, show us what you're good at. You need to show people what you're good at. 
it's okay to do motivation and that stuff. But if you want to grow on Twitter, you got to show people that you're good at tech Twitter. So what I did, I'll take an example. I use Cameron Holmes as an example. When I talked to him, he was like, what, like 200 followers or something. But he was a great salesman. He's a real estate salesman. So I was like, you need to make a thread about what you've done outside Twitter. Make that thread. Show me screenshots. Show me proof. And then I'll retweet. I'll pay people to retweet if it's necessary. But you need to show people who you are. If you want to grow on Twitter quick, you need to show expertise outside Twitter. That's my biggest advice. Show what you can do. Show us that you're good at it. And then you grow. And be patient, right? Because when Just be patient because it's discouraging to just look at Twitter and be like, I got like five followers today. I got three followers today. I got negative follower count today. But if you just can't just get through the 1,000 or 2,000 mark, the game just gets easier, bro. Like it's just, it gets stupidly easier. The worst parts are like the first, what, like 30, 45 days. You pass that and it just gets so much easier. So if you can just push through that, you'll win. The first advice, I think it's key. A lot of people, they just start tweeting. They have no idea what they're going to tweet about. So I think it's key to have a life worth tweeting about and tweet about it. Show your value besides tweeting cool shit. What's the next step? If you have zero followers, nobody will actually see your tweet. So what's the next step if you're able to provide value? Like you can't escape from commenting on other people. But you, there's a way to do it. I have a philosophy that... It's called be a sage in the tweets, be a bro in the comments. So like you wouldn't imagine how many people just rephrase everything. They just say the same thing. Like water is wet or wet is water. And they just tweet that shit under other people's accounts. But if you go with, I don't know, make a joke or like connect with people or like tell them and start a discussion with them, you do need to engage with bigger accounts, but you don't have to lower your value. And that's the biggest mistake I see smaller accounts make. They go with the mentality that, oh, I get to speak to this huge eminence, to this person. You don't get to speak. You're just friends. They're not better than you. They just started a little bit earlier. So if you can remove that from your mentality and be like, let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation. Like You can ask millionaires on Twitter about spirituality or fitness. Why don't you do it? Let's just talk about shit. The biggest mistake on Twitter is taking Twitter more seriously than it should be. It's really not that serious. So next step, I guess, is creating genuine connections you know don't be afraid to tweet to whoever but as long as you don't regurgitate their own tweets and you know comment stupid shit what would be uh, the next step let's say you're commenting on the people you just reached 500 or 1000 or whatever i'd say the best point on twitter is when you reach 2000 when you reach 2000 you can focus solely on the quality of your tweets i absolutely believe you can get to 2000 followers without tweeting on anything in your own because it's just that way but once you reach 2,000, it depends a lot on the quality of your tweets. So you really got to get good at it. I think it's just a way of writing. You just have to improve your writing once you're at 2,000. Before 2,000, it doesn't really matter. You have to comment on other people to get it. How would people improve their writing? I'd say actually build a swipe file. Swipe file is really good. Like build a swipe file of the best. If you look in the search bar, look for profile space min underscore retweets double like two points and a number, like 20 or whatever, you can look at any tweet that has got over 20 retweets from somebody. That shows you it's good. So put it in a swipe file, save it, and understand why is it good? Why does it make it better? You can get guys like mine or make it stick that really, really work. Once you understand psychology and what makes tweets bang, it's just easy, but you got to learn. right? You got to go over swipe files and guides. How can you combine your knowledge into great tweets? Like if you were just starting, the best route for you is threads. 
absolutely you have to do threads. Show me what you've done. Show me everything that you're building. But if you can combine your knowledge with tweets, it's just mainly about formats, right? Like, let's take people like Kavalsha or Charles Flo, for example. They talk about SEO. Nobody finds SEO interesting, but they got like 10,000 plus followers. So if you want to do it, is combine what you know with formats. Formats are metaphors, like level one, level two, level three. Wordplay, ways to say it, us versus them, uh, going against consensus. I think like mainly about improving writing. It's not so much about writing, but about improving your way of thinking and being clear. Right. Once you can explain something simply, people will be interested to it. Like if you ask people before Twitter, like, are you interested in writing? Like writing's got kind of a bad rep outside of like our circle of influence. They'd be like, nah, not really. But the way people put writing is it's not only writing. It's a way to make money. It's a way to achieve financial freedom. So once you angle it and use psychology to get to what people want, that's how you improve it. Would you say that threads get engagement through value and, you know, just single tweets get engagement through like an emotional response? Yeah, I'd say that. That's good. Threads are a little tricky, though, because threads need to be very baity on the first tweet. The first tweet, it's not made to impress. It's made to make people click. So if you get people to read the first tweet, it's easy. And you go with value. Tweets, I'd say, can be full of value, but like emotions respond more. So just use emotion in your tweets, but use logic and actual value in your threads. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. What's the next step for you? You have to uh, get your followers back, get uh, back to 15K, and then what? Listen, bro, I was stressed out of my mind. Like, I didn't want to know anything. But that was only for like five minutes. And the best thing I ever did on Twitter was take my main source of income outside Twitter. Because then I don't really mind, right? <laughs> also, I did the launch already, so that was good timing. If I, it was before the launch, I would have flipped. But it was after the launch. It's cool. So for me right now, it's just I want to write keep writing i love writing tweets um maybe in the future i'll show people how to actually get ghostwriting clients because listen bro like people may not be selling a lot but i see smaller accounts people on 500 followers under 500 followers or whatever just tweeting pure fire bro and i'm like they're not making any money from twitter but they could get ghostwriting clients i'm thinking about like launching a product about teaching people how to ghostwrite and you know keep getting results for clients right how would you advise people to get ghostwriting clients? How did you get yours? The way I got mine was the way Ted Dosa teaches you to get. I don't know if you get it at Comedic Beastman on Twitter. He's great. And he says that if you want to get clients, you have to make it seem like the obvious choice. So I got people whose engagement wasn't really that good. And I was like, yo, I wrote up a doc for you with five tweets. You test them. If it does not perform better than yours, I will pay you 50 bucks. Yeah, that's how I did it. Like you either get 50 bucks or you get five amazing tweets and it's all free. But you retweeted them, right? I didn't. I didn't. I was like, it's going to be fair. I actually didn't. I wanted to. I really did want to, but I didn't. And um, most of the time they perform well. They're tweeting up the hip. I have systems. I got my swipe file. I got my knowledge. I got notes on them. Bro, I study their podcast. When I listen to somebody, I just, when I work with somebody, I put a podcast on them and I repeat what they say because I want to emulate their tone. I want to know what they are. I want to act on paper. But anyway, back to the ghostwriting thing. So I I told them it's going to work like, or I pay you 50 bucks. 
Ah, cool. There's an offer they can't resist, you know? Exactly, exactly. They have no work. They get five tweets for free. And if it doesn't work, they get another 50 bucks. If it does work, they know where to be. Exactly, exactly. You don't go to people like, yo, I'm a ghostwriter. And do you have anything I can ghostwrite for you? They'll say, like, no, just fuck off, right? Let's back up just a little bit. Because how do people contact you for, hey, can you go ghostwrite? How did that go? How did those first conversations go? Oh, they did not contact me. I had to reach out to them. I found people that had huge follower accounts, but like bad engagement. And I told them, yo, like, come on, you got to take care of this. <laughs> and I just sent them the tweets. And then I was like, yo, this work. Are you, you DM them? So you, yeah, you send them the DM? You send- I DM them. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I think I didn't make that clear. I DM them on Twitter. And then were, were these people already following you or you were just... No, they were not. They had their DMs open. You just, uh, long shot, let's try this. Bro, I was I was lucky that they got the DMs open. Yeah. And so, okay, what kind of DM did you send? That one, the, the thing is like, yo, this is what I do. I love your account. Like, hey, I love your account. I like what you're doing. And then it's like, I wrote something for you and I can send it over. If these tweets work well, boom. And if they don't, I'll pay you 50 bucks. They'd say, okay, cool, let's try it. And obviously they work well because the systems and shit. When they worked well, um, they were they came to me and they were like, "Yo, this is this is good. How'd you do it?" And I'm like, "Let's get on a call. I'll give you all my game. I'll tell you everything I know about tweeting, regardless if you want to work with me or not." Well, we get on a call. When we get on a call, I just ask questions. How's your engagement? How's it going? Is it good or bad? I say it's kind of whack. What are you doing? And then I go like, so here's what I do. So I explain everything. I share how I've grown my account. I share my tweets that have gone viral. And I tell them, this is a science. I can do it for you. So I'll write X tweets for you a day and we can measure in just one month. And I'll just charge a month, uh, retain, not a retainer, but a monthly fee. And boom, it's just going. How did you know these guys would pay that money? I actually didn't. That's a good question. I actually asked Joshua Lysak, like, yo, how much should I charge? Because he's the only ghostwriter on our town, right? So I asked him. And then he told me a number, which made sense because, you know, like if you earn in dollars and you spend in the third world currency, you're still making banks. So I was like, ah, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> so I just reached out to them. But to answer your question, I knew they could pay based on the ROI I could bring. So let's say you're selling a $800 course and I'll be like, yo, I can get you three of those sales. So it makes sense to charge $2,500 for one month or two. It's like it makes sense. You might think, what, 2400 is a lot to tweet, like a lot of money to tweet. But when you show them, no, it's actually just three sales for your course for a month worth of tweets, they'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I get content and I get credibility. Why not? So you don't charge based on how much you want to make. You charge based on the perceived value that they're going to get. So uh, they sell courses. I understand the value part. Yeah, you just have to sell three courses and you know I'm paid for. But what's important for them? Is it they want just engagement? They want new followers? Or do you actually want to sell their course through your tweets? Yeah, that's important to know. I, I always ask, like, what do you want? Some people want profile clicks. Some people want followers. And then I kind of tailor my content to whatever they want. If they want sales... I do the hype campaign like I told you I did with Born Arrow. I point out the problem, then I promise something, then I launch with a big threat. If they wanted profile clicks, I focus on talking more about their story. I want to know like their struggles, their zero to hero story. I want to know that. If they want more for, I don't know, engagement, I just focus more on like generic tweets that I know are going to do well, right? Like drink water, make your bed and stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, niche because a lot of big accounts 
they just became big because they're, you know, an influencer in themselves. You know, they just did big on YouTube or big on wherever, but their tweets all suck. So it's a very interesting market. Yeah. And some people are also the opposite. Gillette's got like 130,000 followers. It's ridiculous. And if you look at their tweets, they got like three likes. And you're like, okay, I got more than three likes. I can help them. So it's like people are there. If like people be like, ghost tweeting, like I can only work with what, like three or four clients at a time. Like there's a lot of people you can help. There's a lot of people you can reach out. You're already good at tweeting. If you're listening to this, you already know how to tweet. If you know what high fury is, if you know what money Twitter is, you're already ahead of most. So you can get clients if you wanted to. This is not hard, right? You can do it. And like people are, uh, don't really know how to write. So <laughs> they're good. So you got like three, four clients right now. How many tweets do you uh, create for them every month? I'm going to do quick math right here. So it's like three tweets a day, about three tweets a day, or some get five tweets a day. So three a day. Uh, so it's not between 100 and 150. Yeah, between 90 and 150. But I, I do write a lot. And I couldn't with my systems. Like, listen, I have my formats that I know work. Like, I know if you do lists, it's going to work. If you do questions, it's going to work. If you look for stats in your industry and you share it, it's going to work. If you do memes, it's going to work. So I just go like, okay, let's sit down and make two memes, two lists, two questions, two stats from the industry. And that's like, once you have those systems, content just comes out easy, which is a module coming to Bone Arrow soon. So ghostwriting. And so next up, ghostwriting course. Probably. That's cool. And uh, what else? I'm not sure. I really want to get ghostwriting even more systematic and more to a science. Not ghostwriting, but ghost tweeting. I really want to sharpen my systems. And I want to set myself up because I'm a college student. So I'm going to go back to college in January. So I don't want to focus on all that. So I want to set up my systems through this month. Hopefully help people get their first ghost tweeting clients. And um, I'll take it from there. The only downside is it's not really scalable, as in it's hard for you probably to hire another 10 guys who do the writing for you and you do the selling and get that may be the only thing, but it's really interesting. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. That's why I want to make it like a really good system so anybody can pick it and know how to get 100 plus likes on their tweets. That's like my goal. I want to show people how like this is not random. That's my main goal. Like tweeting is not random. People who tweet off the hip, that's not normal. And that you shouldn't depend on tweeting off the hip, I think. You just depend on systems if you're to build a serious brand. And um, I want to get that system down, make it like just perfect, right? Like everybody knows it's already done. So I can maybe sell it, teach other people how to do it and multiply my writing with other people. I think only a handful of people can really write good uh, tweets off the cuff. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on creating tweets. Not many people can do it. Not many. I can't do it. I can't tweet off the hip. I, I suck at it. It's hard. I usually create drafts in uh, Hyperion and then come back later and try to make something out of it. Exactly. That, that's what I do. So the other day I was like watching, what was it? Wrath of the Titans. It was a Greek movie or about Greek gods. And I was like, yo, wouldn't it be dope to make a thread about all the Greek mythological creatures? And I didn't have to write, time to write it. So I just wrote Greek mythological creatures, write drafts. So I know what to write later on. Any uh, last stuff you want to share with us? I just want to say... I'm back, hermanos. Don't change your date on when you were born because Jack doesn't like you. And um, yeah, Twitter discriminates against handsome people. So you're all at risk. I love you, everyone. Jacob Molina, where can people find you again? You can find me at one Molina JK, not one JK Molina, at one, as the number one Molina JK. 
And yeah, that's my biggest one. You can buy my course, Bow and Arrow. I'll show you how to tweet, get some 100 plus likes on your tweets. You'll see me shit posting with Yannick on the timeline on the regular. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you enjoyed this one, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter. See you again next week.